Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! You are great. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. That's right, you're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. How are you gentlemen doing? There's people here. Yes. Such as me. Who invited them? I don't know. Well, here's here's a first-time thing. I'm handing it over to you, Jeff. I don't... I. This is all you. All me? Yeah. All of it? Everybody? Well, first of all, hi, Pat. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hi, Pat. So doing Pat's, well. Pat's do going with the, uh, the, the um, Husky... I feel like I kind of sound like a Muppet. NPR... After like a hard night of drinking, correspondent. That could be. Yeah. That could be. Yeah. You, you've got a bit of a, a throat thing going on. Yeah, a bit of a throat thing. Yeah. Hopefully that'll kind of clear out. Yeah. Doctor Sitterman. Are you picking them up on the mic at all, or do we have to? Yeah, I, I think. I think. Interpret. We'll, if we all talk like this, then I can just turn the volume up later. We do like the uh, the the guy from Saturday Night Live that used to do the interpreting. I'll move the mic a little closer. Uh, Garrett Morris. Yeah. When he would do that. Yeah, do the Garrett. And now Morris. for the hard of hearing, Garrett Morris. <laughs> Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. Oh, I miss Thank that. you and have a pleasant tomorrow. Thank you and have a pleasant tomorrow. Yes. That. Oh, that was great. <laughs> that was outstanding. <laughs> All right, so we'll just we'll move the microphone a little closer to Pat. Oh, I, so I don't want to strain your, 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 strain your, strain your voice. And, um, but this is Jeff Mazuka, everybody. Hi. Hello. And, and, and Jeff, you're, yes. you're, you're taking over. Go. I don't know if I want to take... You have all the... the the technical notes. I, I do. So I'll let you do that part. Okay. And then we can have our discussion about possibly the greatest movie ever made. Possibly the greatest movie of all time. Leonard Part 6 is this episode, everybody. Uh, Magical no. Meat Patties? No. <laughs> Are you surprised I knew that? Yeah. Nice. I've seen it. There you go. I got you. I, I don't know what's, what is even being said. <laughs> I, just, I don't even know. I don't even know. Magical Meat Patties. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could have gone with the third orgasmal reference of the day if you wanted. Oh that goodness. would have been oh my too gosh. bizarre. Uh-huh. The look when that happened. Yeah. Look, I just, like, I, and, I, and I will preface it by saying I have not seen this movie. I have not seen it it's yet. It's been a now, long time since I've seen but it. But now I need to. I, kind of. But the fact that we're standing out, so for the people listening who weren't here, um, Standing out in the hall, and one of our other teacher friends made a reference. Kids are gone from the building, by the way, so don't worry for about that. Uh, for the most part. And uh, makes a reference to the movie Orgasmo. And the two of you look at each other like, dude! That's <laughs> the second time today in a totally unrelated conversation. Yeah. 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 Strange things Strange. are afoot. Mm-hmm. Stranger things? Circle K. Strange things are afoot at the mm-hmm. Circle K. Tammy watched Stranger Things with me the other day. Did she? She watched the first two episodes. So proud of her. I am proud of her, too. She did well. Tanya started watching. You know what she said to me? It's boring. It moves too slow. Why do you guys like it so much? I told her I want want a new classroom neighbor. Really? Yeah, she's not into it. Well, each... She's dead to me now. She wanted uh, wanted me to tell her everything that happened so she wouldn't be scared by anything. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Well, that's not going to help. She's more of a news junkie anyway. I think so. Yeah. A news junkie? Yeah. Like, 
watch CNN, watch... Yeah, she, I, is, is, she just devours everything she can find out about the vice president. Well, that was the former vice president. What was his name again? <laughs> she wouldn't be able she's, to tell She won't listen to the podcast, so she's not going to get that, but... Yeah. Uh, no, anyway. we're, we're just kind of picking on her a little bit. Okay. We we asked one. Somebody said something one day about the vice president, and she had no clue who the vice president was. I see. Like, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, anyway, that's that's like Casablanca. Because which is what we're talking about this time, not Leonard yes, Part Six. No, not Leonard Part Mm-mm. Six. That'll nope. be next next time or last no, year. That, that was last year. We, 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 we didn't cover it. Well, for a good reason. Kind of felt awkward. It was awful. Yeah. Kind of feel like Bill Cosby got around enough. He didn't need to be on our show. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Holy Moses. Mm-hmm. I went there. <laughs> you did. And so did he. All right. Well, this is episode number one. I would one. also like to remind our listeners <laughs> that the viewpoints expressed are the individual <laughs> viewpoints of the people saying them. They do not represent the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. I've got and enough about the group's whole. Hey. <laughs> I would like to express some viewpoints, too. <laughs> but I'm not going to. Well, this Casablanca is a very political movie, so we might get into a oh, it's just political nothing, discussion it's nothing here. Nothing but juicy goodness mm-hmm. in this movie. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. So, John, right. why don't you give us a little background? Well, yeah, a little background of, here. So, of Casablanca. Uh, we are. So, we're on episode 174 of our podcast. Wow. Um, so, we are just marching on ahead towards 200. I know. That's awesome. What are we going to do for 200? Yeah. I'm tired start, of coming up with the ideas. Someone else got to come up with start, start planning now. Um, so very, very quickly, we do spoil the events, the movies that we talk about, but this movie is like 75 years old. So yeah, that's why yet, we're doing this one, folks, because yeah. it reached a 75th anniversary. 75. 75. Do, do you guys realize that we're going to be alive, God willing, for like the 100th anniversary of some of the greatest movies ever made? Mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz. We're going to mm-hmm. be able to celebrate the 100th anniversary of Wizard of Oz, you, Casablanca, you King guys, Kong. You guys have fun celebrating. I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about you. You know, it's, <clears throat> my expiration date's probably in like 10 more years or so. Oh, come on. That's a bunch of... <laughs> you took better care oh, of yourself. <laughs> Dump truck sitting next to you. Why? Come on, Lunchbox. Keep Why? going. Uh-huh. Um, thanks, Tubby. Those are some of we- my favorite <laughs> Kevin Smith insults. There you go. Um, so if you haven't seen Casablanca, go watch it because it's a great movie and then come on back. Um, also, leave us a review on iTunes. If you're listening to the show and you like what you're hearing, then leave us a review. Don't be stingy. It's okay if you give us five stars because we promise not to let it go to our heads. Um, our heads are big enough as is, so I'm not going to try to inflate them anymore. Um, let's do some we got new movie news. We need like right. a couple minutes or so on some let's of these. Do it. Saw some things today that were kind of interesting. Want to see what you guys thought? Uh, first of all, Ivan Drago's coming back. I don't know if you saw this or not. No, Creed two. I've yet to see Creed. Creed was a good movie, yeah. and I was kind of surprised. I, I was kind of surprised how much I enjoyed Creed. I was like, eh, Rocky spinoff. Okay, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Actually, a really good movie. Mind you, I bought 12 movies last week. Well, right. Was Creed one of them? No. Okay. Have you ever listened to the band Creed? With arms wide open. <laughs> Creed the movie is much better. Good. Okay. It is really a good movie. It's a good movie. It is really it's a good, a good movie. movie. It is. So, the premise of Creed 2, now, I, I have not heard any, any like, storyline, and they haven't even set a release date, but the premise of Creed 2 is that Adonis Creed, who... Spoiler alert, you haven't seen it, but uh, is the son of Apollo Creed. In this movie, we'll be fighting Ivan Drago. Is Apollo so. back in the movie? He died. What? Whoa. He died. Spoiler. 
Spoiler for Rocky IV, which we talked about like two years ago. <laughs> I know. <laughs> nice try, though. So, yeah, so apparently it's Creed, Creed's mm-hmm. son, Adonis Creed, okay. will be facing off against Ivan Drago's son. And Dolph Lundgren is coming back to reprise his role, and he said the only One reason... only hope. Yeah. He said the only reason he was willing, willing to come back is that he read the script and he thought it was outstanding. So... Now, granted, how much weight does that really carry? Dolph Lundgren Dolph also Lundgren. made Kindergarten Cop too. Yes, which I think I've talked about before. Yes, yes. So, that being said, I again Creed one, I liked it. Thought it was a really good movie. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm totally fine with this one. Looking forward to seeing how they how they decide to use that character. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Does that seem a little bit too? People have criticized like the Star Wars movies for saying, you know what, you keep going back to the same stuff over and over again. Like Force Awakens is too much. Star It'll be Wars. interesting to see if people do you give think, this the same amount of criticism. Do you think bringing back a character like or because Ivan Rocky Drago, isn't as popular as Star Wars, people mm-hmm. aren't going to crap on it? Yeah, yeah. It, no. it, it's not the popular thing, so why bother? You only crap and ruin the popular things that people really yeah. like, just to ruin their enjoyment. Yeah, and I mean, the thing with Star Wars, too, is we heard all these people who were upset that they... Were they upset that they brought Han and, and Leia and Luke back, or just that they felt like the plots kind of mirrored? I heard more that they were upset that the plots kind of mirrored mm-hmm. right, the episodes. Right. They weren't upset seeing Han and Leia and Luke again. Right. I think everyone really right. pined for that. You know, as far as this, I really... But I, it's a one-movie kid. I mean, he was only from Rocky Four. Yeah. Is it too much of a repeat to bring him back? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, and maybe that's what the movie house has to is asked. You know, the movie production company says, "Well, if you're going to do this, you got to add in, the, you know, because nostalgia is all the thing. We got to have some piece of nostalgia." Or, I I don't know. You don't know why those decisions are being made, but you just have to kind of see the. You just have to see the, uh, see the end result. See what it's mm-hmm. like. I mean, the original Rocky and Rocky Two. Even I mean, those were really really great movies. Mm-hmm. And, and, the other ones were fun movies. They were good movies, mm-hmm. but it was very episodic, and it, be, it they all kind of fell into the sequel trap of there were certain, uh, what do you call it, cliches that would occur in them. Mm-hmm. You know, Rocky gets kicked down, he finds a way to dig deep, he has a fight, you know, and all that. And it's like this movie Creed was, it was almost like a reboot without it being a reboot. And so that's why I didn't mind. It's not like, oh, they're just kicking a dead horse by mm-hmm. bringing, you know, they really, you know, with Creed, it was like, well, we're going to reboot this franchise and we're going to bring in these characters that were from the old one. And that was very cool. So it'll be interesting to see. If it's a good story, it'll be fun to watch. If it's not a good story, if it's just like, oh, well, here's mm-hmm. another boxing movie. Parts of Creed made me cry ugly man tears. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very... The tears were ugly, not me. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Okay. Anyway. Yep. Speaking of reboots, what's uh-huh. next on your list? Uh, so there is a Lost in Space reboot that's coming to Netflix. And the trailer, I don't know if it came out today, but it is out now, and it looks kind of interesting. Uh, they don't give away much. It's what is this? Lost in Space. Oh. They're going to do a new Lost in Space, and it's coming... After the old new Lost in Space that's like 20 years old. The Yeah, right. The movie. Well, they're doing a series. <clears throat> So this Lost in Space, and I, I forgot to write down. I haven't seen the trailer yet. I heard that mm-hmm. the trailer... April 13th. It kind of shows that it's a more serious take of a show. Could be. I mean, the trailer doesn't give away too much. It's my, it's mainly just the family walking into a spaceship that's about to blast off from Earth. Okay, as you do. As you do. Um, so, yeah, April 13th. All the episodes will be here April 13th. 
thought it looked kind of interesting. I'll be on my leave. Yeah. So, the, another thing that you can watch. Sad. Well, hey, it's my uh, ever-growing list of... Mm-hmm. Get through a lot of stuff on your watch list there. Yep. All right. Um, and then this one, I kind of, I was talking back and forth with somebody on Twitter the other night. Um, they are planning a Joker origin film. And one of the big rumors going around is that Joaquin Phoenix, and if you can't see this, but Pat just covered his head and put his head in his lap. Um, Joaquin Phoenix apparently man, is one of the... Ugly man tears. I, well, we're about to get some, I think. Um, Joaquin Phoenix wants to play Joker. I'll give my initial response, and then I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about this. No. Okay, that's my response. To expound on my response, I don't want to know Joker's origin. That was one of my favorite things that they did in The Dark Knight, was, was him go, the, the different story every time. You want to know how I got these scars? And every time, it's a different story, and you had no clue which one of those stories was true, if any of them. And that's what I want from the Joker. I don't want to know where he comes from. And I want them to stop it with the Joker. There are so many other good comic book villains that they could go to. I've been rewatching the Batman animated series, mm-hmm. like going from the very beginning and rewatching to the. And that show is outstanding when it comes to introducing villains and developing them. And, and I'm looking at that going, why can't we get some of those characters put into movies, but we got to keep coming back to the Joker? It's like the only. It's kind of like Superman movies yeah. with, with Lex Luthor. With, yeah, it was with Lex. Like, there's a ton of other people, other characters out there that you could use, but we keep coming back to the Joker. So my response, and I love the Joker as a character, mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters, but my response to this Joker origin film is, stop. Just stop it. You're drunk, go home. So what was your feeling when you saw Batman 89? Because you, yeah, you, oh, you, you got the Batman 89? Yeah, you got the Joker origin in that movie. Yeah, I, well, I think with that, I think I was young enough that I didn't know... I think I didn't know as much about the comics at that point. Okay. So I think that would have been my first like major, other than comics and the cartoons and the other stuff, that would have been my first major <clears throat> thing. And I and I think I took that as being, oh, okay, well, cool, that's the, that's the origin of the Joker. Then when I started reading the comics, I find out, oh, Joker didn't kill Batman's parents. It was a guy named Joe Chill. Oh, okay, all right. And I think since then, in the comics, since I've read the comics for decades now, you don't know who the Joker is. Mm-hmm. And they purposefully don't tell you who the Joker is. And when they start to give more background details, there was some stories a couple years ago, or last year or something, where there was supposed to be that Joker is more of a... Like, there have actually been multiple Jokers, or something strange like he that. He's not the first Dread Pirate Roberts. Right. He was actually... Right. When that started coming out, I'm like, no. No. No thanks. 89 Batman kind of brought Batman to the movie audiences. And I think that was okay because all you were doing was just developing the two main characters. Mm-hmm. The, you were developing the hero. What's his origin? It was done creatively. Yeah. Um, and there, uh, and there was done, really no Joker thing before that right. where, where, you, where we've been there overexposed. Was, um, who was the, Cesar Romero. There was Cesar Romero. Right. That's what everybody knew. Mm-hmm. Now, my generation, like I didn't read the comics, so I would say my generation was, or our generation were the ones that read the comics that would sit there and go, oh, well, it wasn't Jack Napier, it was Joe Chill. He was originally the Red Hood, and then, you know, blah, 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 blah. If you read the comics, but for the mass public, this was just like the reintroduction of Batman. 
And so you kind of had to develop the good guy and bad guy. Now everybody knows Batman. We've all grown up. We have kids. Our kids know that you know, where Batman and Joker came from. Mm -hmm. Do you guys get what I'm saying? It's like, it doesn't need to be done. I remember this conversation for Justice League. In those movies, you guys saying, I don't need to see another Batman origin. I don't need to see... We all know where all these guys come from. So... Yeah, I've yeah. always... I mean, one of the things that I've always loved about Joker, like you, is the fact you don't know his history. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's too bad that they want to try to force that to happen. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking of... Uh, the TV show Gotham, mm -hmm. yeah, and I was like, oh well, they're doing the same thing on Gotham, but they're really not. And I'm so confused about that because you don't know the character, you, you don't know the character's history. Mm -hmm. All that you've really learned was the history of how he got his iconic look, mm -hmm. but they got the the character behind it is still a very severely messed up person. And that history you don't know. Mm -hmm. So as long as they don't try to explain that away, mm -hmm. I'm okay with what they're doing on Gotham. If they were... Now, and I think they're trying to throw a curveball out there too because the, I read something the other day that that actor that plays Jerome mm -hmm. has said, Jerome is not the Joker. I'm like, okay, well, you better be throwing a curveball to me here because then... Uh, <laughs> what the what? If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck and kills people like a duck... It's the Joker. It's Howard the Duck. It's Howard the Duck. Dennis? Dennis? Howard yeah. Howard the Duck. Duck boobs, Dennis. <laughs> anyway. I hear that that's the most dangerous thing, threatening our nation's children. Duck boobs? Yep. Well, you know, it's... It, it's anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, no. Uh, Joker origin movie, I, I say I, hard, I don't think hard they need pass. it. I feel like they should put their efforts into... Will I go see it if it comes out in the theater? Probably. Sure. But... I, they need to put their efforts into still writing the writing, not W R I T, but mm -hmm. R I G H E, correcting. Correct. The it's going to take some writing. The focus <laughs> of the DC movies. Mm -hmm. All right, so our movie this time is Casablanca. It came out. One of the reasons that we're saying that we're still doing the 75th anniversary of this, even though it was technically last year for the 75th anniversary release, is it's the 75th anniversary of its U.S. public release. Yes. So, we're going to go with that one. Uh, it was released in the United States on 23rd of January, 1943. was rated PG, has a runtime of one hour and 42 minutes. Michael Curtiz was the director, and every single person I'm going to list here is probably dead. So, I, did a, I had to put in a lot of, like, died this year, died this year, because they're pretty much all gone. Uh, so, Michael Curtiz, who died in 1962, he also directed The Adventures of Robin Hood and White Christmas. Uh, Hal B. Wallace died in 1986. He he was a producer for True Grit and the Maltese Falcon. Uh, movies were movies. Man. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, this whole uh, list of this whole list of as I'm doing going through these and putting these movies in, I'm like, oh my. I'll tell you what, Adventures of Robin Hood was one of the first Blu-rays that I bought. Oh really? And just the colors just pop because that was one of the mm -hmm. first colorized movies as well. Yeah. So like the the Technicolor <laughs> in the movie itself is just brilliant, and then seeing mm -hmm. it on Blu-ray, just that color just. Pops so gorgeous. I haven't seen that one in years. I might have to borrow that from Okay. Yeah. Yeah, can, we can make that happen. Okay. Uh, writers on this one. A bunch of writers. Uh, Julius J. Epstein uh, wrote the screenplay along with his twin brother, Philip G. Epstein. Uh, Julius died in 2000. His, his bro twin brother, Philip, died in 1952. They both wrote Arsenic and Old Lace. And I did not realize that Philip Epstein mm -hmm. is the grandfather of Theo Epstein. Yes. Who's in charge of the Cubs. Yep. 
So okay, although it's I believe all kinds of magic. Epstein. Epstein. That's true. Epstein. 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 Um, yeah. So all kinds of magic coming from that family. Yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, we've got Howard. Uh, we have a teacher with this last name spelled exactly the same way, and I've seen it done. Coke or Cook? Do you know if it's Cook or Coke? Whatever you're in the mood Whatever. for. Okay, I'm in the mood for Coke. Um, so, that nah, came out wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> well. Do you, like, do you like to party? I feel, uh, feel a lot better now. Dude. Um, all right, so he died in 1985, and he wrote the screenplay for this one as well. He also did Sergeant York. And then uh, the two playwrights that wrote the play Everybody Comes to Ricks were Murray Burnett, who died in 97, and Joan Allison, who died in 1992. I would love to read that. That script. The play? Yeah. yeah. I have to see if I can find that somewhere. Mm -hmm. That'd be a cool script. The play to... It was an unproduced play. You know, if play. you get off your phone and I'm listen... I'm looking up. I'm looking up <laughs> to find out... What? what? We can't hear you, mm -hmm. Pat. Speak up. Mm -hmm. I got nothing. If you have something you want to say, why don't you text it to us? We'll say it for you. Oh, hey, and through the magic of podcasting, Bo's here now. Wow! Hi, Bo. <laughs> he came right through the Just portal. Like passed right through the doorway and... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beamed yeah. him in. Mm-hmm. Oh, a couple beams to get Bo in here, but here he is. More beams. <laughs> Better beams. beams. I, I don't know what that means. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Trying to lean into it. So Casey Robinson was also one of the writers on this one, did some uncredited rewrites, uh, died in 1979, and also wrote Captain Blood, which is also another fun movie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've just, as we've been going on the list, we've Maybe just this been should saying. Maybe like a 200th episode thing. It, yeah. Favorite old movies? Oh, or pick oh, a date. Favorite I, movie mm -hmm. before 1950 or when whatever. I watched this. That would be a lot of fun, actually. When I watched this, I borrowed yours and I watched it for the first mm -hmm. time. I also had Captain Blood, so I just yeah. like was transported oh, back to a time. There you go. Transported back mm -hmm. to a time. When movies were yes. good. Mm -hmm. Cinematography was done by Arthur Edison, who died in 1970, did The Maltese Falcon, Frankenstein, mm -hmm. and All Quiet on the Western Front. Music was done by Max Steiner, who died in 1971, who did the music for King Kong, the 1933, uh, Gone with the Wind, and Arsenic and Old Lace. The budget was a whopping $878,000, and the box office, the initial U.S. release was $3.7 million. Starring Humphrey Bogart, who died in 1957, as Rick Blaine. He was in The Maltese Falcon, The African Queen, and To Have and Have Not. Ingrid Bergman died in 1982. She played Ilsa Lund. She was in Gaslight, Notorious, and Spellbound. Paul Heinrich died in 1992. He was Victor Laszlo. He was in Now, Voyager, and Hollow Triumph. Claude Rains died in 1967. He was Captain Louis Renault. He was in Mr. Smith and the Bishum. Let's try that again. <laughs> you all right? Mr. Schumann, you Yeah. What just happened? It was, the, that's the French version. Monsieur Smith. I was trying to, yeah. <laughs> Monsieur, Monsieur, Monsieur Smith. Monsieur Smith goes to Worms. Um, goes to Washington? Yes, Washington. We went from French to German to He's what the French heck German. is going on here. From all over Europe. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, the Adventures of Robin Hood. Uh, Conrad Veidt. Well, I mean, there's a lot of French and German people in this movie. So yeah, could that's be. true. Uh, Conrad Veidt died in 1943, was Major Heinrich Strasser. He was in The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and The Man Who Laughs. Sidney Greenstreet died in 1954. He was Signor Ferrari. He was in The Maltese Falcon and They Died With Their Boots On. Peter Lorre died in 1964. He was Ugarte and he was in M and Arsenic and Old Lace. S.Z. Sakal died in 1955. He was Carl. He was in Christmas in Connecticut. Uh, Madeleine Lebeau died in, died in 2016. Uh, she played Yvonne. She was in Eight and a Half. 
And Dooley Wilson, who died in 1953, played Sam, who was in a movie called Come to the Stable. Uh, critical reception for this one, it gets a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, 92 if you go to top critics, uh, and the audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes is a 95%. Uh, won the Academy Award for Best Picture, Curtiz got Best Director, the Epsteins got, and Koch were honored for writing the Best Adapted Screenplay. We'll throw in a little bit of the, I have the original trailer audio, so we're going to throw that in here real quick, and then we'll get on into our discussion. <laughs> Casablanca, city of hope and despair, located in French Morocco in North Africa. The meeting place of adventurers, fugitives, criminals, refugees, lured into this danger-swept oasis by the hope of escape to the Americas. But they're all trapped, for there is no escape. Against this fascinating background is woven the story of an imperishable love and the enthralling saga of six desperate people, each in Casablanca, to keep an appointment with destiny. I was willing to shoot Captain Rhino, and I'm willing to shoot you. All right, Major, you asked for it. You knew how much I loved you. How much I still love you. more about you than you suspect. I know, for instance, that you're in love with a woman. It's perhaps a strange circumstance that we both should love the same woman. What do you want for Sam? Don't buy and sell human beings. That's too bad. That's Casablanca's leading commodity. You can ask any price you want, but you must give me those letters. That's all right. I tried to reason with you. I tried it. Now I want those letters. that I turn it over to the illustrious, the embiggened. What'd you call me? I don't know what, it, I, embiggened's not a word. Cromulent, Jeff uh, Mazuka. Cromulent. 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 Not Romulent. This is not a Star Trek thing. Okay. Cromulent. Well, okay, so I wasn't planning on leading this thing, but. Well, too bad. You're but I guess tag. I am. <laughs> tag, you're um, said the same thing So. <laughs> and What's that, Pat? Couldn't hear that. Is your voice okay? <laughs> you said, you said the voice. same thing where? Yeah, where? Sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. By the way, what is a honeymoon That where Pat said that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents. Mm-hmm. First time seeing this movie was when? Let's go around the table. Ooh. A month ago. Really? Yeah. You had never, not even bits, pieces, I, none bit, of it? Tiny bits and pieces, but okay. only mostly just like going through the great movie ride at Disney and just tiny little bits and pieces. Whenever somebody would show a quick clip of like some of the most quotable parts of this movie, that's the only time I ever saw any of it. But the first time watching the entire movie all the way through was about a month ago. 
So yeah, that was my okay. first time. And in, initial reaction after seeing it? Oh, I thought it was awesome. Um, and sometimes I can get to be a little picky with older classic movies if I didn't watch them as a child. Like sometimes I have it, a bit of a disconnect where I have a little bit of a hard time getting invested in them. But this one, I had no trouble enjoying this movie, and you know, and and, and we'll get into talking about all that stuff. But even just like technically, camera. I mean, I, we're gonna lose Pat here for a second, but like you know, camera stuff, lighting. Actually, Pat, I, you you've done very well to. Oh, you're falling asleep already. Well, I, I was trying to complete. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, but no, just I mean, it's like some of the technical stuff in this movie. I was impressed with that, realizing that mm -hmm. this is a movie from the early 40s, and I'm looking at what they're doing, and and like some of the ways that it well, follows and, the and, noir and it's style. All, it's all practical. Yeah. You have to keep that in mind. You yeah. know, they, they can't rely on computers to fix things or, mm -hmm. or change things slightly just yeah. to get a, a little bit more of an effect. It has to be done right, mm -hmm. and they took the time to make sure it was done right. Yeah. And I, like I said, I know, I know we're going to talk about this as we go along, but one of the things, too, about this movie is sometimes I find older movies that I have not seen before, like I haven't seen as a kid, I find them to be a little slow in their telling. And this one, not at all. This this one, one of the things I was gonna moves at a pretty steady clip. Bring up was the, the efficiency yeah. of this movie. There yeah. is zero time wasted on extra storyline or mm -hmm. things you just don't need to know or discuss. Yeah. But but to sum up my reaction is I am very surprised and regret that I had not seen it before a month ago. Okay. Bo, when did you first see this, if you recall? I can't put a peg on it, but it was... My mom loved old movies and, and Humphrey Bogart, so I am sure I was even younger than I think I was. Um, but I'd say maybe 12-ish early teens probably um but i i i was trying to figure out last night as i when i watched it again if i could remember when the last time i actually sat and watched it from start to finish and it's been a long time you'll find it on turner classic movies and you'll catch you know a little bit of the middle before you leave somewhere or you'll catch the end but i don't know when the last time i sat down and watched wire to wire uh, some of the beginning stuff, it had been long enough. Some of the, the opening 10 minutes or so, I'd kind of forgotten a little bit of the, uh, for lack of a better term, the setup. You know, they have that little voiceover with the narration and the about the refugees and that, that whole little segment I had sort of, because not that it's not important to the story, but it's not all that much because it's not about your characters. So that little bit had sort of, you know, left the memory bank and it was cool to see that again. And yeah, right. It was fun. It was like going back and visiting an old friend. It was, it was great. Pat? I would be... Uh, I would be... Uh, Do we need uh, to move this closer? Well, again, I don't want to spread germs onto the, to the microphone. But um, I would be in John's camp. I saw this movie. I think you gave it to me over Thanksgiving. And then I delayed because I got stuck on Stranger Things and binged that over <laughs> a day, both seasons. And um, then I ended up watching this it, between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas... And I, um, that was the first time I knew of it, and I knew there were all sorts of references. What, why, <clears throat> why had I never seen it before? Um, I don't know. Other than, I don't know, I think sometimes these movies, these classic movies take on such a, a, a huge level. It's like, I, am I ready to step up to watch Casablanca? Oh, no, maybe just, let me watch Ocean's Eleven again. Hey, do, am I ready to watch Casablanca? Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to step up. Let me go over to... You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like So sometimes I fall into that trap. 
not to disparage Ocean's Eleven, or I was just using that as a modern movie. That um, when I saw it, uh, I was I was so taken by the movie, and I think for me, and this is going back to the John's comment, never was roast of me that that says you know like I don't pick up on the camera angles and the special effects and da 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 da, and I'll 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 give more fuel to the fire by saying I've never seen a 3D movie. I don't care. I don't need super special effects. I don't need those things. I mean, I can go to the dollar twenty-five theater and just sit there as long as there's a really good story and compelling characters. And I think what's awesome about movies from back in the day is that, yeah, the special effects. Like I think John, what you were saying is, is they really they couldn't overreach. You know, they they they, they couldn't use CGI to kind of buy them out of their their trouble. They really had to commit to the special effects. I would say even more this. They couldn't use special effects to carry the story. The story had to carry the story. They couldn't use special effects to wow the audience. Wow, look at that. That's totally come to life. They really recreated this historical event, the sinking of the Titanic in front of my eyes. They can't rely on that anymore. Now what they need to rely on is telling a good story and having actors do kind of what actors do, look really cool on stage. And you're going to laugh when I say this, but... I, I watched this show called uh, The Grand Tour. It's kind of a silly British show about cars, and it's not silly in terms of lame. It's an awesome show, but it's silly. There's humor. And they had David Hasselhoff on there, and David Hasselhoff was talking, and, and he was going to get into a car race with this other actor, and he said, so, David, how are you going to do? And he says, well, they said, because you've driven Kit, you know, for Knight Rider. You're, and he says, well, you got to remember one thing. I'm an actor. So that doesn't mean I'm good at driving a car. That means I just look good while driving a car. And I mean... I'm good, at, I'm good at sitting in a car. Yeah. Right. And you know what? And I got thinking about that, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to take that too deep, but I'm going to... It's like, that's what makes this, these movies so excellent, and that's what makes these old movies that maybe when you go back, oh, wow, it really it takes a while to develop, or wow, I could have really used a 20-minute chase scene or some explosions or some special effects. No, no, no. I just want to see these guys and girls. I, I want to see them on stage just looking really cool. Because that's all they had. Story and just that charisma of the of the of the actor. You guys get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when I saw this movie, that just washed over me. Um and and I was just taken by watching uh these people on stage just bring these characters to life and watching them emote and watching them go through the, the plot points of the movie and the challenges and the pitfalls and the romance and, and everything like that. I really you know, I really I was really uh, taken by the movie, so. Yeah, I mean, I I first saw this um, probably only maybe 20 years ago, if that. Uh, I was having a rough go with with some personal stuff and took a job out of state and was kind of, you know, a little cut off from society, so we didn't have much in terms of entertainment. But for some reason, there was a copy of Casablanca, and during one of my breaks one day, I just put the movie in and thought, okay, I'm just gonna watch this. Yeah, I've always heard about it, and I've seen like you know, like John said, I've seen clips and and what have you, and just, there was nothing else going on. Didn't you know? Didn't have a phone to distract me, so I just sat and watched this movie. And my God, this movie like it's it ended, and I just had to like make just an audible, relaxing breath, like just. Oh, wow, that was an experience. And, you know, just ever since then, I just it's so so rare that I can find a movie that will 
I will have that reaction where it's just done and I, I don't immediately grab my phone or go do something else. I just have to sit and let it sink in for a minute and, and cherish the experience of watching that film, which I still do every time I watch this movie. I can't help but just sit there and go, God, that is, th there's nothing about this movie that I don't like. Cool. Um, so next question that I have, and we don't necessarily have to go around the table for all these, uh, so just, you know, feel free to offer opinions whenever. Does this movie deserve the adoration and classic status that it has, or is it overhyped? Oh, totally. It deserves it. It's fantastic. It, you know, sometimes we ask if a movie holds up. And I think the fact that some of us can watch this movie in 2017 or whenever, and it'd be the first time we've watched it and go, my God, that was a great movie. I think that automatically answers the question, does it hold up? Is Can you watch it for the first time 75 years after it was released mm -hmm. and say, I was entertained. I enjoyed this movie. I loved the story. I, I connected with the characters. I, you know, this this movie to me was. I, I like a movie where even if there's action, even if there's serious parts, even if there's mystery to it, um, you know, I, I always like having a little bit of humor thrown in there too. And so that's I like a lot of the the Marvel movies. I think they've done a good job of balancing some of that. But I. This movie, to me, almost, and I'm not by any stretch of the imagination saying that they are of the same caliber, because this movie is so much better in terms of quality and its contrib contribution to society and culture and everything else, but I was watching Deadpool the other day, and Deadpool is a movie where I will laugh like every two minutes, probably more often than that. Something in that movie just makes me laugh. This movie was the same way. Whether it was a, a quippy comment or just the way a character says something, and just the, the quick like one-liners in this movie are just... I, I know it's 75 years old, but they're still hilarious. Like yeah. The way certain things are said, you know, that still that moment when he's like, I can't believe that there's gambling going on here. Here you're winning, sir. <laughs> here you're winning, sir. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Like, like, stuff like that. It's like, sometimes I'll go watch an old movie, and it'll be so corny that I'm like, yeah, okay, that was funny back in the you know 30s or 40s, but it's not really as funny now. No, this movie, to me, this was kind of like the same experience I had watching a Deadpool, where I can, like every few minutes, when they hit one of those one-liners, and I know it's supposed to be funny, I'm laughing at every single one of them. Mm -hmm. So to me, I'm, I, I think it deserves all of the credit that it gets after watching it, because I watched it a, a couple of times, um, and I just was... You know, one time I got the humor, and the next time I'm watching it, and I'm I'm finding like the technical things that I mentioned. You know, the 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 noir style and the way they do the lighting and the way all the the scenes are framed, and you know, just going back and kind of carefully the second time looking at, you know, when is this person, if this person's conflicted, you know, the the you know, as in a good noir movie, their their face is like half light, half dark. Mm -hmm. If this person is the you know Victor Laszlo, and he's meant to be the, you know, the 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 white knight character, he is always bathed in light. Um, you know, just every little thing that this movie does, it does well. You know, I, I don't, I think White Christmas, what did I say, the director, uh, what else he had done? Um, not normally, I think most of his other stuff was like adventure movies and White Christmas. And so, you know, not, I don't want to say not like artistic films, but, um, 
this one definitely it, it's like a piece of art. Like I feel like you could screen capture just about any scene in this movie. No, it'd be just a, a beautiful yeah. shot. Yeah, just the, like, the, the yeah, lighting anything, and all that. It'd, just, yeah. it'd be beautifully framed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, I remember the the camera work. You know, watching it for the first time, the camera work in this one. To me, it, I don't know, just something about the movement, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to describe it, but something about the movement of the camera and maybe the pacing of the editing, it felt to me like it was a more, I don't want to say modern movie, but that maybe they were using techniques that were more advanced in some yeah. way. So, no, so I mean, I think, I think it totally, you know, this movie totally deserves all the hype it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean... One of the things that always worries me about this movie, especially personally for me, because I love it so much and talk about it so highly, you know, is there a risk that I'm overselling it? So that, you know, that's always... You recommended it to all of us and said, we have to record a podcast and we all come yes. back and go, no, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, I was just like, oh, yeah, what if like, what if, you know, I fell into the the Hollywood hype about it and the other guys are going to look at it and go, dude, you, are, you, you drank the punch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just, I'm, you know, very curious, you know, do we all feel like this is, def- this defines a classic movie? You know, what I would say is if you, if you were worried about that, then I think the next sentence that I mean is honestly should be, if the other guys think I drank the punch, they better be ready for one heck of an argument because I'm ready to put them down right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause I mean, especially if you could start getting a coughing day, <laughs> if you, you know, if Lovely you love this movie. And you know why you love this movie? Then yeah, you can right. you can back that up. So I mean, I right. So well, going, I don't I don't think anything that the three of you could have said if you all hated it would have swayed me from loving the hell out of this movie. Right. right. I don't think that was ever a thought. But you know, it, it might be one of those like, so did you love it? And like, mm-hmm. it was it was all right. It was a good movie. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's good. But right. Yeah. So right. you know, the, again, I just wanted to make sure. Like, you know, is it is is a classic? Is it worthy of the title of a classic or? I think so. Yeah, I think so. and I—I I, I will say I know for you it's. Would you say this is your favorite movie? I think so. Okay, because for me, as much as I enjoyed the movie, it's—it probably still doesn't break my top ten. You know, if I had to make my top ten list again of like what my favorite movies are, it's not going to break into the top ten. But if somebody were to ask me what's a movie I can go watch that is classic Hollywood, high quality. I would say go Casablanca is definitely one of the first ones you need to go see. So then, what would you say? What what is it that makes this movie work? Why did this why, why does this movie work? Why does it hold up seventy five years later? It's a, it's a it's a I'm gonna go back to something I already said. It's a really good story. There's a really good plot and. I always get a little bit weirded out, you know, when in the in my contemporary times people oh that was a weak plot. Those Marvel movies, those things are really weak plot. And it's just like, well, okay, I don't know if there's good guys or there's bad guys. Know, what are you talking about? What do you mean a weak plot? I mean, what does that mean? Then you see a movie like this that has a really good story, and it's like, oh, that's a really good story. And the other thing is is that it's very... It's simple in terms of there's a good guy. There's a bad guy. There's a guy that's conflicted. And you're beginning to wonder, well, is this guy going to be a good guy or is this guy going to be a bad guy? But even that, I mean, I don't want to say typecast, but the the characters that they're playing are such strong characters mm-hmm. that it really, I, I think that's kind of what, what draws you in. I mean, is that 
and why it hangs up is it or holds up is that uh, the characters are just so strong. They're such a poignant part. And that's what that's one thing that I, that I put in my notes that the characters are so perfectly developed for what we need to know about them at the time we need to know it. You know, we don't need to know right away. We don't need to know the history of Rick. It's not important at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. We get it eventually enough. You know, it gets developed enough to the point that we need to, we know just enough that we need to know that explains why all of a sudden he's in Casablanca, why he's, he's kind of, he's very standoffish and, and looks out for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think all the characters that, you know, you don't get any extra exposition about any characters that are just like, okay, thanks for sharing that. Why is that important? Yeah. Anything in this movie is, is relevant and necessary. And I think to, to go along with the, well-developed and well-written characters, the performances do a lot in their own way to to develop some of that history. Like, you don't necessarily need everything between Rick and Elsa to be spelled out for Oh, him. absolutely. That's you one of the great things about it. You see so much it. of it that you don't need, they don't need to give you can, words you, you, to a lot of It's so this. brilliantly acted. You can mm-hmm. feel the tension between the characters. Uh, that, that first meeting. When, when <laughs> my favorite moment is when Sam's playing the song, Rick comes up, I thought I told you never to play. It's not Rick's face, it's not her face, it's, it's Sam's mm-hmm. face. Yeah. That tells that whole scene, and he's like, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But in that, in, that, in that same scene, when she's listening to the song, mm-hmm. she doesn't say a word. Nope, doesn't have But to. you just like the way she, I think even like her eyes just kind of like, they it's twinkle. almost like she's just kind of like looking off to the side all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like she's remembering, mm-hmm. like, the first time she heard this, and, and, and she what starts humming. Back she starts it. humming it. Mm-hmm. She's humming it with. She's relishing yeah. the humming of this song. It's not just humming. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of joy. That, behind, that's yes. Thank you. It, I think. I, yes. I mean, for. Yeah, like you said, there's something about the look on her face and 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 the sound that uh, of 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 the singing that she's doing. I'm, and I'm surprised she didn't go blind in the making of this movie because they must have been shining like spotlights in her <laughs> eyes because every every How scene she's it? got like you can see like there's like three spotlights reflected it's, by her eyes and it's not and just like, her too it's yeah but you know that's how they have a light i could i could look at her face oh all day yeah long. It she, makes, so. she makes her little heart go pitter pat doesn't a little she? bit a <laughs> little bit her and uh, grace kelly and there you go the, man um, well the thing is is that all the actors and actresses they have to emote right they have to they have to tell that story with their eyes or tell that story with it you know we're not going to we're not going to fall back on some big I was going to say flashback, but, you know, some big, long expose or some, mm-hmm. here are the deleted scenes to fill in the gap, or, you know, it's, it's, all you've got is this little bit, so you've got to use that to the, to its maximum potential, and these actors and actresses can do that. Everything you needed to know about Rick, you got from the way he was just sitting at the bar. Mm-hmm. Like, really, everything you needed to know could be done with a photograph. I mean, and, and you know, a picture is worth a million words. Mm-hmm. Or a thousand words, or whatever that is. Inflation. Inflation. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. That's what you get in this movie. You, you you just see them on stage, and you're like, I know what that guy's about. I know what that guy's about. I know what that guy's about. You, you know, and it's not to say that everything is a. It's not to say that everything is a dead giveaway because then there are plot twists that, oh, this is the way it's going to resolve, or you know, I don't know. But it's not like overdone. I, I'm just rambling, but. That's the piece that I think is, is cycling back. Is that is you're right? It's the way their eyes look. It's the way they hum the song. It's a, it's the way they just emote and can tell the story 
without having to tell the story. So to yeah, speak. and I think the movie still works because even though it's very entrenched in World War II and what's going on at the time and the kind of the ambiguity of the whole movie is of that same time of, you know, it's after Pearl Harbor, but it's before the end of the war. So, you know, at this point in history, we didn't know which way the war was going to go. Um, and I think the movie spends a good deal of time holding on to that feeling of like, we don't know, is Rick going to change his mind? Is he going to get involved? What's going to happen with all this? And I, I take that same kind of idea, like we were talking before we started recording about what's the theme of this movie, and that same kind of idea is you you see, I think the way I wrote it down was you, you see darkness rising, and you have to decide, is it worth fighting the good fight, even when you see darkness rising, despite what you may or may not be doing. And with, without getting political or anything else, I can see a story like that, those themes and everything else still applying today. Like I can have mm-hmm. that. I can I can look at that and say, oh, you know what? That really I can I can make a connection to that. I can connect with these characters and bond with these characters because even though I wasn't alive during World War II, I do feel like there are things going on in my own lifetime that can reflect the same struggles that they're going through. Well, and and I think a lot of that is because the the, the characters are portrayed as just being human. Mm-hmm. They're all flawed. You know, they, they all have their regrets. Um, you know, I think one of the themes that, that you get from this, it, 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 it's a redemption story. Rick has the opportunity to redeem himself for not so much what happened in Paris, but for how he treated Ilsa when they reunited. <clears throat> and he takes the opportunity to have the goodbye that he sorely would wish he would have gotten in Paris as opposed to the the letter on the train platform. Um, so something else I think that makes this movie work is its use of music. And really, music as a character. Uh, and not just the, the, the um, as time goes by, which, beautiful tune. Mm-hmm. I love that song. It's and, a gorgeous and, and song. And it keeps getting reused. You, you, you hear the melodic story. theme yeah. throughout, but also just the underscoring. And the scene that I, I made a note on was just Rick and Elsa reuniting. You know, you have Sam playing the piano, and Rick comes, I thought I told you never to play this again. And then it's just silent. And the camera cuts to Elsa, and you just hear that, that chord. And you're just like, oh, there's, th- this is, this is, there's something here. There's something about this pairing when Rick looks at Ilsa and Ilsa looks at Rick and Sam looks like he wants to just get the hell out of there. Like, there's something about that moment and you hear the underscoring. Same thing when uh, later on, a couple times when the gun is pulled. You get that, that low, the, the, the dramatic chord. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh man, this is a tense moment. And the music contributes to that so greatly. Yeah. Yeah. The French national anthem played in a minor key when things go bad, mm-hmm. played as it should be when things are going good. Mm-hmm. How about that scene where they're, yeah. where it's the Germans singing and he starts the French up? I'm sitting there, you know what I, I thought I'd never had until last night. I, there's no good way to say what I'm about to say. Our national anthem's kind of weenie <laughs> compared to these just these epic tunes like. Oh, 
This is Great. back and forth there's so much gravitas and power so, behind them so the song that the germans were singing it's not the german national no but it was a um it's called uh i had looked it up at the time Marine. yeah which is more like a a war a wartime right. a german wartime right. song and you know we don't really have those unless you count no. from the halls of montezuma which i guess maybe you could yeah, get could away be. with singing but the, the it different just songs of the military yeah, right? it just doesn't have that i don't know i'm just sitting there going yeah if we tried to Take up, pick up a third one in the corner. We just wouldn't. They'd just laugh us out of the bar. <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's like, and, and that's one of my favorite scenes. Oh, it's in, awesome! In, in the whole movie is because yeah. you have the the, the Germans showboating, mm-hmm. and you know, Laszlo not being afraid of anything, steps right out there. Play La Marseillaise. Play it, and you still have the band that you know still looks to Rick like, should we do this? And Rick gives him just a little nod, like mm-hmm. all in. It just takes that little nod from Rick. Okay, we're all in on this. But yeah, it's such and it, it it's so great because you have everybody coming together that to to drown out the oppressors. Beautifully shot too, because you get mm-hmm. such great wide shots of, mm-hmm. of, of the whole cafe. That angle shot where you see the Germans in the background, mm-hmm. and the, yeah, and the bands right here. And you're watching them, and you know, you have uh, Strasser that's you know. Get, kind of like fist pumping conducting his guys and he's getting stronger in his movements the louder he wants them to get and this just encourages uh, everyone else to to get louder and and sing for the, the 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 anthem of france it's so great and eventually they just drown him out and they kind of go away into the night which unfortunately then leads to strausser you know saying that's it i want this place shut down mm-hmm. being the bully that he is um but yeah, i think the uh, just the, the music, the the score of this. I would love to see if I could find a recording of, of some of the score of this movie, oh, yeah. because it's it's so great and it enriches scenes in such a great way. And it doesn't overpower. It's not too much. Um, like I said, you you we hear as time goes by, melodically, a couple of times throughout the movie, and sometimes you have to listen closely to 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 pick up on it. Um, but I think another great thing with the, with the music is it ends with La Marseilles mm-hmm. and uses that to to wrap up the movie. Um, so it, it it just goes you know it's it's part of the list of everything that worked right for this movie. The music worked, the story worked, the car- the acting worked, mm-hmm. the lighting worked, the camera angles worked. Everything was just 
perfectly executed for uh, for this one. Um, Agreed. So speaking of camera angles, one of my favorite shots is the introduction of Rick because you don't get you don't see him right away. First thing you yeah. see is he signs the little uh, checkbook. Yeah, okay, right. throws it on the table, and then you have the camera from the other side looking at the checkbook, and you see this hand grab the cigarette, bring it up to the mouth, and you know the camera just follows, and there you have Rick. And what we don't know is he the hero, is he the villain? What do we know about this guy other than apparently he's in charge? He's in charge because you don't see his face. It's almost like the old, uh, what was that, um, Inspector Gadget, where the, the, the bad guy would say you'd only see his hands or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I, I know I'm kind of not trying to compare Inspector Gadget to Casablanca, but, I mean, it's the it's the same thing. This guy's in charge. You don't need to see his face. All you mm-hmm. see is he is looking down and he's handling things. He's taking care of business and all this. This guy, this guy sees everything. He sees all the angles. Nothing's going to take him by surprise. All that's really introduced just the way they film that scene. You know, they don't need to show him as the guy that's in charge. Yeah, they, they, he doesn't need dialogue of, you go do this, and you go do this, and hey, next you go do this, and why isn't this done yet, and this should be cleaned up, or whatever. Right. It's it's all in in the movement. Right. And the, the action of signing off on, on the money and looking so calm and relaxed doing it, looking cool. Yeah. Like, you know, like you said. Yeah. There he is. He's just looking cool, doing his thing. And when he walks through his place, he's got everybody so well trained, he doesn't need to do anything. Everyone else can handle it because he's the guy in charge, right? He doesn't need to be giving orders and all that. Everyone knows their job. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he can just kind of... And even even his patrons know, oh, Rick doesn't drink with anybody. Like... Yeah. There's yeah. not, you know, no one's fooling around. It's uh, everyone knows the rules. And... Yeah, everyone knows Rick and everyone just goes with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's how he is for whatever reason. Yes. That's how he is. Um, yeah, what else do I have in my, in my notes here? I want to wait and see if you get to the question that you asked me the other day. So we I can will. Start an and, argument. and I. I okay, so we'll, already spooling for a fight. <laughs> we'll, we'll jump to that question. So Indiana Jones was no. This um, may be the Indiana Jones question when we get to it. It could be. So it was pointed out to me six months ago when I saw it. Someone asked me. Might have been Katie. My own wife asked me this question yeah. or brings this up in conversation. At the end, Ilsa goes to see Rick try to get the letters of transit. She pulls the gun on him. He knows they, that she won't shoot him. They kiss. Camera cuts to the tower with a the light. Tall building. A very... <laughs> a symbolic tall symb- building? Symbolically shaped building. The and train then, goes into a tunnel. The train goes into a tunnel. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and then cuts back to them having conversation. The question is, did they sleep together? Yes. Why? Why do you know that? Um... <laughs> Rick says, oh, God, I wonder if the quote's on IMDb, because it would definitely make it easier if I could find it. It is. That's when he's he's talking to Victor. Yep, he's talking to Victor. Your wife tried everything. She tried everything, and I went with it. That's the key. She pretended she loved me, and I let her pretend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was it right there. He he let her go. And I told you the other day that I said I didn't think they didn't, but I was looking at some other stuff, and I'm like, "Uh, I kind of think they might have. But (laughs) so... Now, Cause, do, cause, I, do I want them to have? Well, that's a different that's question. question. Right, yeah. Um, but no. there, there's the other line when, he, when Rick is talking to Ilsa at the airport and he says something like, you know, uh, you know we'll always have Paris, and if we didn't, we found it again last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't want it to have happened. Because you want her to stay on the moral high ground. I stay. want all of them to stay on the moral. I want Rick to stay on the moral high ground. I want Rick to, to do what's right mm -hmm. and not falter. Now, the argument... Well, because at this point, I mean, they could have faltered earlier in the movie, but at this point, people have been redeemed. Yeah. And once they've hit their redemption oh, yeah, point, you, you're like, you, yeah, I kind of want them to stay pure at this point. But. They have to have faltered earlier because otherwise her admission to Victor it doesn't carry the weight it mm -hmm. does. Because she admits to the first relationship... Yeah, she said she was lonely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. He was, he was, and, and he seems really cool with it because, you know, it says, like, you know, I've, I, I knew loneliness as well. Oh, okay. Those concentration camps were rough, um, bro. And then when... Uh, well, she thought he was well, dead. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, right, so she thought he was yeah, dead. So, right. you know... All bets are off. I, I get that part. But then at the airport, when he tells... Uh, when he tells... When Rick tells Laszlo, you know, she pretended to be in love with me and I let her pretend. And his response is, I understand. Well, a very I, relaxed I, response to the fact that maybe he was just admitting, we did some stuff last night. I, she came to see me. We did some stuff. And maybe I read too much into it. I took it more of a... Hey, Vic, things got freaky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I took it more of a, I understand. Not so much as he was flipping about it as he was sort of taking it in. But he's... And you got to remember, it's we're, some, talking but about, it sounds we're talking a lot about more a matter spy of fact. here. Who, we're, we're talking about a, like a freedom fighter spy type who's guy. Who's done some is stuff. He, well, is he okay with her sleeping with him if it meant they got their letters of transit? That's a very valid question. Because... It might be more that he he's, understands. Because he's all about the cause, and I think he would be all about the cause at the expense of his wife. He understands that you do things... To get results. Yeah. Right. He's looking at the big picture. Yeah. So here's my arguments against the idea that they slept together. One, Rick is all dressed back up in his tux, including the bow tie, and his suit coat is closed, buttoned shut. She's all dressed back up in her in her dress. Why would you go through the... Why would you put a bow tie... Why would you tie a bow tie back on? Because he's Rick, man. I, I don't buy that. <laughs> I, also, I think this may be one of those... Because the movie was made in 1947 moments. Like, the movie was made when it was made. Right. There was a lot and of so society at the time. We're just gonna... We're gonna do this. We're, we're gonna show the, the building... Right. And we're going to move on, but we're not going to take it any farther. We'll let you all decide what you want to decide. Maybe she's got a thing for bow ties. Right. Maybe he left it on. You're going to have a drink. <laughs> See? One drink. You're going to drink your drink. <laughs> Be polite. <laughs> mm, I like that, John. Um, also, we know that he's a man of honor and really doing the right thing. Because of the Belgian couple. That comes to the casino, and it's like the newlyweds, and they're trying to leave, and they don't have money, and Rick fixes the roulette game for them. Oh, yeah. Two spins yeah. in a row, and then he says, okay, cash in and never come back. Is that about helping them or screwing the other guy? There's no other guy to screw with that one. He's yeah, screwing. he's taking, uh, what's his name's, uh, 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 he's... The, the, the wife was going to sleep with uh, the police captain to get an exit visa. Instead, they won the money, so she didn't have to. He took his, his side piece away. 
But I don't think he was doing that to screw Captain Runnell. Oh, I think those two go back and forth all day long, and I think any chance to one-up or mess with the other guy, I think they're both signing but up I, and twice I, on Sunday. I don't buy that as his motivation there. Really? Why, why would he cost himself that much money just to screw over the fact that He had enough money to be closed Reynolds. for two weeks. He was... He bet, bet 10,000 francs on whether the guy would escape well, he bet 20,000. Well, fair Rundle. enough. He dropped him down. Because he's he, only a poor... He's a poor corrupt Corrupt official, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another great line. So many great lines. Which and stuff. in Rick's defense, it was probably a little bit of both. He is a freedom so, fighter at heart, obviously. But I think sticking it to the other guy helped a little. I wonder, I wonder <laughs> if Captain Renault likes bow ties. <laughs> <laughs> Could be the start of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> no, but he doesn't. Yeah. Oh my! They do walk off together. I don't um, know. So I don't. I, he doesn't get the girl, but I want to believe that that Rick and Elsa did not sleep together mm-hmm. because I think that I don't know. I don't know what it serves in terms of the story, and in, in, in terms of what they're going through. If he knows that he's going to send Elsa and Laszlo away on the plane, and he's not going. Why would he? I, I, I think he loses. He, the character loses a lot of honor by purposely screwing Elsa. Does he know? Does he know the he, night before what he he's knows, gonna do? He knows what he's doing. I think he knows. I think what I don't she's think you, concerned. I don't think you is, come up with that plan on the spot the way. Because I mean that was a pretty elaborate plan. Yeah, but you're talking about a guy who ran guns for the Ethiopians. He, or do I have those backwards already? Ethiopians ran guns for him? He, no, he was a freedom... It was the wax on, wax off scene. Yes, it was. <laughs> I'm getting it wrong, but we're talking about a guy who has a history of being in tough situations. Right. I think for him to... Okay, this might play into your idea of him a little bit. Was the plan, was he not sure of the plan, they do whatever they did, and it was the she, next morning. She just wasn't that good. And no, he, he goes, oh, jeez, and he has this big attack of the guilts, and then he puts him on a plane and sends him away. That could be. I mean, he, he definitely does, has a, uh, you know, that confession moment. Where he puts it all out there, so he knows that he can send Elsa away, and, and all will be good. No, no hidden secrets. I don't know. I just it, it it was a question that was posed, and I just I never I never thought about it. And I I just I I respect the character too much to think he would have done that. Now there's a lot of evidence in the movie that suggests that he did do that, but you know we'll never know. The Epsteins are dead, and, uh... Well, and, and I agree with you that I don't want them to have slept together. But after looking at some of the dialogue again, I'm kind of like, yeah. Well, I, I think of, they did. But after you said, I want to believe, I'm going to make you a poster <laughs> that looks like the X-Files poster. That says, I want to believe. That's instead of having the UFO over the trees, I'm just going to have a picture of Rick and Elsa <laughs> that says, I want to believe. <laughs> oh, I'm going to make that man. for you. And I'll put it outside your classroom, and the kids Great. will have no idea what it means. Well, I'll have them come talk to you. There you go. Um, I'm going to hang a bow tie on my doorknob. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay. Favorite lines. 
This is a highly quotable do we, film. Do we have another hour? I was going to say, I don't know if we have time for I'll say right now, pretty much anything Captain Renault says. Mm-hmm. Yes. Any, almost everything He's he says. quote machine. Is yeah. quite funny. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites is, I've often speculated why you don't return to America. Did you abscond with the church like funds, that. run off with the senator's wife? I like to think you killed a man. It's the romantic in me. And, of course, then Rick follows it up with, nah, a little of all three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, who the hell is this guy? And that's the whole thing. He's never going to... Like uh, Strausser, Rick, and Renault. Strausser says, what's your nationality? Rick says, I'm a drunkard. And Captain Renault, that makes Rick a citizen of the world. <laughs> you despise me, don't you? If I gave you any thought, I probably would. <laughs> Anything with... Uh, Ugarte is fantastic also. He is amazing. I'm shocked, mm-hmm. shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. <laughs> Here's your winnings. Oh, oh thank, thank you, you very much. <laughs> um, the, uh, when Major Strasser is interviewing Rick, and you know, we have a complete dossier on you, and he starts, you, you did this, you did this, you did this, and Rick just picks it up and goes, are my eyes really brown? <laughs> <laughs> and again, just so damn cool. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Call and collect. And see, it's stuff like that 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 I feel like the sense of humor of this movie is fairly timeless. Because I could see like a, a Star Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy making the same type of comment. Mm-hmm. And if you can jump a movie from 1942 to now and say same type of humor, it's still funny no matter what. That yeah, that that comment in particular. My eyes really brown. My eyes really brown. Like, That's that's outstanding. Carl. Carl's got some quotable mm-hmm. stuff, too. I suspected as much. That is why I brought the good brandy. <laughs> and an extra glass. That's my kind of guy right there. <laughs> Casablanca? Well, what in heaven name brought you to Casablanca? My health. I came to Casablanca for the waters. The waters? What waters were in the desert? I was misinformed. I was, I was misinformed. Yeah, like... The, the banter between Rick and uh, Renault is always great. Yeah. Reynolds' lines are solid. Remember, this gun is pointed right at your heart. That's my least vulnerable spot. I, I do like this one with Strasser and, and Renault. Strasser says, you give him credit for too much cleverness. My impression was he's just another blundering American. And Renault says, we mustn't underestimate American blundering. I was with them when they blundered into Berlin in 1918. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, you know, Renault's not really choosing sides. Mm-mm. You know, no, he, he's he, playing both he, sides he does what each he, other. Professionally, he does what he, have, does what he has to. But at the same time, he, le- he, he lets it known that he's, uh, you know, he's not supporting Strasser. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have his, his conviction. Um... Of course, Rick's line, of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks into mine. He's you, looking at you, you, kid. You hear that line in quote lists Every or day. conversations about this movie, but until you watch this movie and, and you, you connect to this movie, you don't, you don't feel it until like you're, you're there. Because by the time you get to that point in the movie, you've sort of understood... The distances that both of these people have traveled since they saw each other last, and for them to end up in the same place is right astronomically crazy. Like, what, what they went through, whatever they had to go through to get where they are now. Mm-hmm. Whatever hell Rick had to go through to pick up the pieces of his broken heart on a train platform, which I think he refers to something along those lines, mm. um, 
to get where he is now, only to have her walk through his door again. There's a lot of weight to that line. And of course, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Which I love that line because, you know, you have Rick, who's been a standalone character and doesn't like to get close to people anymore. Yeah. I mean, if, if before the end of this movie, I'd say the only person he that probably knew him well was Sam, the piano player. Mm-hmm. He didn't trust anybody else. And he brought Sam with him, so Sam knows where some of the bodies are buried. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sam knows a lot. Yeah. Um, so the fact that he, he's opened up to Renault and, and so sort of like, you know, we're going to be good. The two of us are going to be good. Sam gets ten percent of twenty percent of the profits. I happen to know he gets ten, but he's worth twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Ferrari wants you to go work for. I like it fine here. I'll pay you double what you make here. I can't spend what I make. <laughs> Not enough time to spend. What I, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one. <laughs> um, so as we're wrapping up, any f- favorite scenes? This, well, also, this also just reaffirms my, the fact that this is a damn good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're like trying to pinpoint, you know, it's, it's like, well, from the beginning credits scene. to the end credits, right. that yeah. scene is good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, anytime you put Bergman and Bogart in, in a scene, you know, and it's the tight shot on the two of them or even going back and forth, I mean, that whole thing is just going to be awesome. But I think the first time she walks in with Victor, sits down, Sam brings the piano over, and just that, because that's when you're starting to get into the meat of the whole thing, and it just sort of sets up everything from there. That's when mm-hmm. it sort of takes off. I think that one, that's one that sticks in my head to the point where I can remember it anytime, like that moment yeah. there. Right through to when, right through to when Sam packs up his piano and leaves, because yeah. this just got off. I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. John, favorite scene? Or scenes, yeah. I don't. I don't know that I can narrow it down. Um, I. I'll say all of the scenes. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I'll just say the airport scene at the end. Yeah. I'll just say when everything gets all wrapped up and mm-hmm. you, the iconic scene of you know the problems of three people don't amount to a hill of beans and like all those. There's like three or four different lines that have been quoted from 1942 until now yeah. that people quote even today and they have no clue where they're quoting it they from. All, they all come from the last five minutes. Is of the, the last five minutes of the movie, yeah. yeah. Um, and on top of that, I was uh, I was reading up some stuff before we decided to record. Round out the usual suspects. Round out the usual Another suspects. Great line. Yes. Another yes. great line. And uh, before we started recording, I was looking up some other stuff. And to find out that, like, technically, like, one of the things that they did with the airport, we were talking earlier about the sets mm-hmm. and, like, using practical effects and things like that, that the sets were mostly just on sound stages and that even the airport was on a stage. And that, I don't know if you've heard this part or not, the airplane that they had was really just a cutout. And it wasn't a full-size airplane cutout. So it really wasn't that far away. But they're like, okay, well, we've got this airplane back here, and and perspective-wise, we need to have mechanics working on it in the background, but that's going to look ridiculous if the mechanics are taller than the plane is. So they found little people to be the mechanics working on the airplane so it would look like it was further away. Wow. I mean, that's that's, that's ingenious. I actually was listening to a behind-the-scenes thing from people who had worked on the movie, and and the one guy was like, yeah, and we went out and we found a bunch of midgets. (laughs) And and, and I came to work one day and I saw all these midgets working on the the cutaway plane back there, and I was like, well, now I've seen everything. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? There you go. 
Yep. That, that just adds to my enjoyment of this movie. Yeah. Pat, scene? I gotta see it more to, to pick a favorite scene. I, I got it in my room if you want to borrow it again. Yeah, yeah I will. But I mean, I, I'll need to, to see it a bunch, to, to lock in and see. I'm still like, it all's running together. Mm-hmm. Maybe this drives into what you said. I liked it from the opening credits to the ending credits. But it's it's I'm still seeing it as one movie. And that kind of will happen whenever I see, if I stay awake, um, when I see movie, any movie for the first time, it's like, you know, unless there was like, ooh, the motorcycle scene, or ooh, the, you know, the, the that really cool lightsaber duel or something. Like, it's like, oh yeah, what? I, you know, you got to see it a little bit more. So I think I'll, before I lock in on, Oh, favorite. I think I really would have to just see it more because each scene was so beautifully constructed and flowed right into the next thing. Yeah, it's kind of hard to pick a. It's hard to pick a favorite scene. Yeah, like I said, the the movie is so efficient in how yeah. how it was put together, and then the story is so strong, and you know, just seamlessly goes from one scene to the next. Yeah. So I guess maybe favorite scene isn't the right question. Favorite moment might be a, 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 a better way to phrase that. But I, like John, I would have to go with um, the airport at the end. Yeah. Uh, La Marseille versus Dubac Marine. that's a very that's, close second. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, good, a, yeah. that's a very powerful moment in the movie. But I think just the, the airport mm-hmm. scene at the end there, oh, yeah. when it all starts coming together, and really the, you, you know, Rick shoots uh, Strasser, the cops show up, and Rick and Reynolds are just looking at each other. Like, okay, man, moment of truth. How's this going to play out? And Reynolds just says, Major Strasser's been shot. Round up the usual suspects. <laughs> and he has like a slight smirk on his face as he says it. And it's almost the way he's, he's doing that to, uh, you know, just letting Rick know. This is done. Yeah. This yeah. is it. This is the end. And the movie goes on. It doesn't wrap up. It doesn't, you know, I mean, if this was done today, if this movie was made today, when's the sequel? When's the da 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 But it's like, it was done back in a time when you would write a story and you would just let it So let there it was be. a time when uh, this sure. was being, when there was discussions about sequelizing this. And apparently there was a prequel. Yeah. A, a TV series that only went for like a few episodes. Mm-hmm. In, yeah. In the early 80s. Which I have I not seen, nor do I have any yeah. desire. Like, yeah. Like I said, everything that I want to know about these characters, everything I want to know about this it's story, self-contained. it is right there <laughs> yeah. in the hour and 42 minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have audience. any desire to know anything else. Wanting Hector Elizondo played more. Captain Renault yeah. in the redo. That's funny. Leave them wanting more. I wish there was more movie. I don't need more. Yeah. That's okay. I right. want more. <laughs> I'm not, I, I want this to right. keep going. I don't, it's done. <sighs> mm-hmm. Then just rewatch that. That's okay. No more yeah. sequels, no more episodic, no more... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just enjoy this. So, Jen's final thoughts on Casablanca? Any any final words, anything? If someone were to say to you, well, I've never seen that movie, See but it. but I've heard of it, what would you say to them to sway them to watch? It's a classic for a reason. See the movie. It's a classic for a reason. Well, is this person... A Come with person? me, let's go buy a copy together. <laughs> is, is this person a movie person or not a movie person? Doesn't matter. Is this person attractive? <laughs> Strange you know, enough. I don't know if I want to touch that part of the question. Is it going to bother... I didn't say this earlier. It's going to bother you if I tell you I had a friend in college who reminded me very much of a young Ingrid Bergman. Oh, <laughs> man. Does, does that hurt you a little bit? Yes. Okay. It hurt yes. me, too. <laughs> um, so I did have... Um, 
when uh, last time I was in theaters, I went with uh, we went with another couple, and my buddy Tony's wife said she goes, "I've never seen this." So how how is that possible? She said, "Because in other relationships, the guys were always trying to get me to watch this movie." Mm. And those relationships didn't work, and I never wanted to watch this movie because of that. I said, okay, I'm going to beg you to go into this. Maybe that's why the relationship doesn't work. <laughs> I'm going to beg you to go into this with an open mind and yeah. try to separate those experiences yeah. and just appreciate what you're about to see for what it is and what it's going to offer you instead. Yeah. And she ended up enjoying the movie quite Good. a bit. I think that's, that's interesting. Well, that'll get into another podcast of, I think, maybe the different way that Females slash males attach themselves to things or movies or whatever. Like I, well, no, maybe maybe that's episode two hundred. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's unfair. How about I say a different way? People like there's movies that I saw with ex girlfriends or whatever, you know, and it's just like I can still go back and watch those movies, and mm-hmm. I can, you know, what I'm saying. Some of them I can, some I can't. But you're right, yeah. So I don't. Want, it's not a male female thing. No, I, I can get that. That would take a um, nice save, by the way. That was, that was good. Yeah, I was, I was thinking. I was thinking out loud. Bo, thinking out loud. John, what would you say to someone that? What is wrong with you, man? <laughs> um, no, you should see it. Everyone should see it. Yes, it's you fantastic. Watch it and I will watch it with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to try to figure out how to convince my wife to see it because I don't think she ever has, and she has a. We'll call it a disconnect with uh, black and white movies. She just can't. Her brain just doesn't. She doesn't like them. Never seen It's a Wonderful Life. She, the list goes on. Oh. I, I know, I know, I know. Believe me, I'm working. Ouch. Hey, Ouch. she had never seen any Star Wars or Star Trek till she met me. I can only do so I much know. here. I know. <laughs> but I, I think she'd really like this. So I'm gonna see if I can. Make you just have happen. to do what my dad always did and just say everything's a love story. It's a love story. Yeah. Well, Every single is. time. This one it kind of is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, it is. Gladiator love story. Sort of. I mean, well, technically you know. everything is love story. You can swing it. Sure. Whichever way. Yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate you humoring me and letting us do an episode. Oh, this is great. You forced me to watch it. I'm glad we finally got to do it. We've been talking about doing Casablanca. I'm glad you you guys got to see it. Yeah. 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 We we corrected that wrong. No humoring humoring you, man. Thank you for bringing that to. uh, Bringing that and making sure that we all. Well, Well, he figured figured after he brought the room up, he had to redeem himself (laughs) somehow. (laughs) The room is just as great. Just kidding. Okay, it I was going to say, how are you going to wrap not. that up? I, I, I don't know. My mind was racing trying to explain why you're not coming home to Katie. <laughs> if you were going to finish that sentence. <laughs> like, oh, man, I just saw her yesterday at the party, and now how do I explain I've killed her husband? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you I'll know, figure something out. He said something stupid, and she'd be like, right. so what else? Duh. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take the silver balloons from your room and send them to her. Um, nice. <laughs> I'm sure that'll make it up to her. Um, All right. Well, thank you, Pat. Thank you, both. Yes. Thank you, John. So uh, later this month, um, you know, I, most likely this episode's going to be coming out right away. And uh, yeah, I'm, it, I, I don't even know what's going on here. I don't even know. Yeah. That's your. Okay. What's later this month, John? You're stroking my face. I beg your pardon. Well, you're gonna I pardon your bag. Your mm. Not sure what that means. Um, <laughs> We'll figure it out together. Um, so later this you, month, kid. I just I want to be Victor. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be Victor. Oh, should I play that game? Which character do you feel you're most like? 
so later this month is going to be Wings of Desire, and I believe we're going to try to get in a Black Panther episode if we can. So, so I haven't seen it yet, so I got to go see it. Black Panther. Did you see it? Yeah. You did see it. How did I see it before you? I don't know. That never happens. I know. I haven't seen it. Well, that I kind of expected you I, I got a busy time in your life, fix, I think. fix that sometime this week. So, uh, But anyway, Wings of Desire, Black Panther, those are coming. And uh, that's going to be it for this episode. So we will see you back here next time. Uh, if you want to find anything, any other way to interact with our show, we are at 30podcast.com. That's our website. And that will take you to all the different ways you can listen to the show. Or you can interact with us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all those other fun places. So until then, be excellent to each other. Go watch Casablanca if you have not seen it yet. We just ruined the whole thing for you in the last hour and a half. Be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies. Here's looking to you, listeners. Can deny It's still the same old story A fight for love and glory A case of do or die The world will always welcome lovers as time goes by. If you don't mind, you fill in the names. That'll make it even more official. You think of everything, don't you? And the names are Mr. and Mrs. Victor Laszlo. But why my name, Richard? Because you're getting on that plane. I don't understand. What about you? I'm staying here with him till the plane gets safely away. No, Richard, no. What has happened to you? Last night Last we said... Last night a... we said a great many things. You said I was to do the thinking for both of us. Well, I've done a lot of it since then. It all adds up to one thing. You're getting on that plane with Victor where you belong. But, Richard, no, I... Now, but... you've got to listen to me. Do you have any idea what you'd have to look forward to if you stayed here? Nine chances out of ten, we'd both wind up at a concentration camp. Isn't that true, Louis? I'm afraid, Major Strauss, I would insist. You're saying this only to make me go. I'm saying it because it's true. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. But what about us? We'll always have Paris. We didn't have, we, we lost it until you came to Casablanca. We got it back last night. When I said I would never leave you. And you never will. But I've got a job to do, too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. Ilza, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now. He's looking at you, kid.